<coughs> okay, so we are we have begun Shema Shema Yisrael on page forty six in the regular sitter. Um, and last week we discussed different uh, opinions and explanations about the concept of Achdus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem, that really comes from that first pasuk of Kriya Shema Shema Yisrael Hashem Alakina Hashem Echad. We also began discussing the next. Um, statement that we say, Baruch Shem Kavoid Malchusei Le'olam Vod. And I mentioned that it's really interesting because it's not part of the Parsha. Um, in the Torah, it goes Shema Yisrael Hashem Lokein Hashem Echad V'ahavta. It goes directly to V'ahavta. And that's a section in V'eschanon. And nevertheless, we interject that Pasuk of Baruch Shem Kavoid Malchusei Le'olam Vod. So we discussed um, the, one of the sources of Baruch Shem is from this story with Yaakov Avinu, right? Yes. Everyone who was here was here last week, right? That Yaakov Avinu um, asked, he can, he wants to tell his sons um, different concepts, and he doesn't feel the Ruach HaKodesh. And he's thinking that maybe some of his sons are not really with him, maybe they're not worthy. Um, and he says, like, are all of you on the same team? And they answer, Shema Yisrael, listen Yisrael, our father, Hashem Elokeinu, um, your Hashem is our Hashem. Hashem Achad, we all have one Hashem. And Yaakov responds, like, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus El Olam Vad. So that's where that comes from, at least um, according to that Gemara. I want to discuss it today from a different angle. Um, based on a very, almost bizarre medrash. The medrash says, why do we say Baruch Shem Kavod and why do we say it in an undertone? We say it quietly. So, <clears throat> the, the Medrash gives a very bizarre um, analogy, or a very bizarre um, mushal. And it says the following. It says, mushal lebas melech. You have a, a princess, daughter of a king and princess, and they're serving food at the table. And in the food, there is, you know, the regular food, you know, in the pot. Then there is the leftovers on the bottom of the pot. Like, you know, the, you scrape the bottom... Now that stuff that's left over on the bottom, you scrape the bottom, sometimes it tastes very good. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the, the spices and sunk to the bottom. But it's not really the uh, polite or, what's the better word for choice, it? Choice. Like it, you can't yeah. serve it. It's not like it's a, not like a prince. Bukovedic. It's not a How do you say yeah. bukovedic? It's not, uh, honorable. it's not an honorable. It's not classy. It's not classy. <laughs> so, so here, listen to this medrash. It's so interesting. The medrash says that sometimes... The um, the Bas Melech, the princess, she smelled those leftovers on the bottom of the pot, and she really wants it. But it's not in her um, standing. It doesn't behoove her. It's not becoming that the princess should be you scrape off the bottom of the pot. But on the other hand, she wants it. So the matter says, what do you do? So it says you get. So it says you bring it to her quietly. That's right. So says the Medrash. The same thing is that Baruch Shame we say quietly, because it, it's not you know it's like the bottom of the pot, but it's very tasty, but it's not becoming. So we say it quietly. That's what the Medrash says. Like many Medrashim are have very profound secrets to them, but they're very hard to understand at face value. Like what's the connection? of the leftovers on the bottom of the pot and baroshim. <coughs> so let me share with you a beautiful idea in Hasidus that I just learned about this medrash. And I have to tell you, like, preparing these classes, I'm learning really new things all the time, so I thank you for it. But this, I really, I really love this idea that I read. It says the following. I'm using that really as a springboard to explain a very beautiful idea. Um... Let's look at the words Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Le'olam Vod. What does it really mean? The word Baruch, we know it means to, be, to bless, but Baruch has another meaning in Hebrew, which is to draw down. And really that's what blessing is. Blessing is drawing, we draw down Bracha. We draw down Bracha on ourselves. We give a Bracha to someone, we're trying to draw down Bracha for them. So Baruch, we're blessing or drawing down. Shem, what is the Shem means the name. Kavod, the glory, Malchuso, of his kingdom, Le'olam Vaid, to this world or forever. 
What's, what is really, what's the common denominator of shame, kivod, and malchuso? Those three words of Baruch Shem. Hashem's name, Hashem's glory, Hashem's malchus. All of those three things, name, glory, and malchus, represent the secondary level of Hashem, not Hashem himself. Like a name. A name of a person is not the person themselves. Right? Primarily, what do we need a name for? In order for someone else to have a way to relate to me. If I be myself in my room, I don't need a name. I'm not calling myself by name. I'm here. But for someone else, I connect to someone else through my name, and they know how to call me, and so on. Kivod, kavod, glory, is also not me, myself. A person has a certain kavod, a certain aura. Others respect them, perhaps. But kavod is not the essence of a person. And the same is with malchus. To be a melech, a king or a queen, is over others. The king in their own room is not a king. They're themselves. So really, the common denominator of shame, kivod, and malchus is an extension of, an expression of. And that's really what baruch means to draw down. We're drawing down Hashem's name, Hashem's kavod, Hashem's malchus to the world. Um, where, is this, where are we headed here? So, we, we explained last week and I said it earlier, that Shema is all about Achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. In Hasidic, in Hasidic term, terminology, there's two basic levels of Achtus Hashem. When we talk about the oneness of Hashem, they are called Yehuda Ilo'a. Are you saying in, in Hasidic? Hasidus. Yehuda Ilo'a. Yehud, to spell it, is Yehuda is Yud, Yud Ches, Vav, Dalid, Aleph. Oh, wow. Is Yehuda Ilo'a which is Ayin, Yud, Lamed, Aleph, Hey. Which literally means the supernal Yichud, the, the Yichud, the oneness, the higher oneness, versus Yichuda Tato'o. Yichuda is the same word, Yud, Ches, Vav, Dalet, Aleph. Tato'o is Tuf, Tuf, Aleph, Hey. These two terms come from the Zohar. Aleph hey. Tata means lower. Ila'a means higher. Tata is lower. The Zohar says, of course, the Zohar is the father of all Kabbalah, of all mysticism. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Yehuda Ila'a. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusa Olam Vaed is Yehuda Tata. That both of these um, statements represent, are referring to Hashem's oneness. But one is the higher form of His oneness, the greater form of His oneness, and one is the secondary or the lower form of His oneness. In fact, you might remember that the second section of Tanya is called Shar HaYichud V'Ha'emuna, the gate of Hashem's oneness and faith. And in these little words on top of the first chapter, the Alter Rebbe says that this entire section of Tanya is to explain the words of the Zohar, that Shema Yisrael is Yehuda Ila'a, and Baruch Shem is Yehuda Tata. So that, that, that entire second book of Tanya, of Shara Yuchud Vemuna, is based on this statement of the Zohar, that the first Pasuk, Shema Yisrael, is Hashem's higher level of Achtus, and Baruch Shem is the lower level of Achtus. What language is that? Aramaic. The Zohar, like the Gemara, like the Talmud, is written primarily in Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew, um, and very similar in a lot of ways, but usually there's a letter off at the end, or two letters. So it's similar, but different than Hebrew. It's not Russian coders, though. No, it's not. It's not, but it's what the... Chaldean Jew speaks Aramaic, and all the Prune guys there are like... Right, Chaldean? Chaldean? Yeah, because some of these countries, yeah, some of these countries come from places that they speak a language that's very close to Aramaic. That's correct. Right. Aramaic comes from when we were in Babylon. We were in Babylon. If you remember, the Jewish people were centered in Babylon for fifteen hundred years. But Galus Babel is called seventy years. But they stayed there. The Jewish people were in Babel, which is today Iraq, where there's no Jews anymore. We were there probably for about 1,500 years. We were centered in Bavel for longer than we were centered in Eretz Yisrael, historically speaking. Right? This is a fact. Now, <clears throat> what does it mean, these two levels of Achtos Hashem? 
these two levels. What does it mean, Yehuda Ilah and Yehuda Tata? I'm standing on one foot. What does it mean? So it's, it's actually it's pretty. It's, the concept the concept is a pretty simple concept. Yehuda Ilah is if one were to walk around all day and feel how the only entity in this world is Hashem and feel how everything else is nothing. Something that almost no human beings can feel that. But you told us last time that everything is from Hashem. Everything, everything is from Hashem. Hashem. But nevertheless, our natural feeling, when we, our natural feeling is our, our gashmas. We learn about Hashem, we understand about Hashem, but our natural feeling is that I am something and I am hungry and I'm happy and I'm not happy and I'm thirsty and I'm hot and I'm cold. We're, we are naturally disposed. That's the way Hashem created us. It's not our fault. Gashmias is our first natural feeling. If one is on a level of a tzaddik gomer, a perfect tzaddik perhaps, so then one might feel the true oneness of Hashem where he only senses Hashem in everything. Who senses Yehuda Ilah more than anyone else? Hashem. You know, from Hashem's perspective, so to speak, Hashem is the true entity and everything else is merely an expression. So Yehuda Ilah is the true sense of oneness of Hashem where everything is 100% um, nullified to Hashem. That's Yehuda Ilah. Yehuda Tato, the lower level of Hashem's oneness, is the level that regular human beings relate to. Which is, yes, I feel myself. Yes, I know my existence and I feel my existence and my needs and my sorrows and my likes and my happiness and my heaviness and when I'm happy and when I'm sad and when I'm cold and when I'm hot, etc. Yet, I know that Hashem created me and I know Hashem is the boss and I try to be a good servant to Hashem and do what Hashem wants. So I know that He is the one true entity and I do my best to subjugate myself, to be mevatel myself to him, to nullify my desires and his desires, as it says in Pirkei Oves, batel ritzoincha mepnei ritzono, right? What does that mean? I have desires, but if Hashem wants differently, I'll put my desire aside and do his desire. So it's not like I don't have desires anymore. Like a perfect tzaddik, I assume, doesn't have any of their own desires. Their desires are Hashem's desires. But most of us, we have our desires, just... We put them aside for Hashem's. So that's the two that's the two forms of Hashem's oneness. And the, the higher form is, it's just Hashem. That's it. I wake up in the morning, I feel Hashem. I wake up, I'm hungry for davening. That's all. Right? That's Yehuda Eloh. There's only Hashem. I've gotten rid of anything else. And, and, and again, for the vast majority of people... Your knee and your back will never hurt you. Right, Who, what kind of knee, what kind of back? You know, you know the story of Reb Zusha the famous story that a person came to the great Magad of Mizrich and he said, how do I deal with the difficulties of life and the pains of life? How can I still be happy? He said, go to my Talmud, Reb Zusha. So the person went to Reb Zusha of Anapoli and Reb Zusha was, lived in poverty and he had service and from his family service and his children's service. Tzaras, Fanalazite. And this, this person comes and says, Reb Zusha, I have to meet with you. Says, what? The Maggid sent me to ask you a question. By all means. What's the question? He says, I asked the Maggid, how can one have pain and suffering and still be happy? And Rebzusha is like incredulous. He says, no, every word of the Maggid is holy. I'm, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But why would he send you to someone who never suffered? I never suffered in my life. Everything is good. So how can I answer how to have, how to have simcha when I suffer? So from a tzaddik's perspective... It never, you know, who suffer? We're in suffering. Right? We're suffering. Everything is godliness and holiness. Again, it's a tzaddik. I mean, it didn't get him down if he got all the tzaras. He, he never know. felt the tzaras. That's a whole different level. In other words, for us, we have... He wasn't acknowledging the tzaras? No. He, he, he lived at a level of ruchnius and holiness, and that's all he felt. That's all he felt. He probably didn't bother him that he was poor either. I'm sure he didn't, he didn't no, notice. he didn't notice. Because <laughs> the good and the bad come from Hashem, and he sees it as the same. Yeah, but I'm saying He sees it as the same. Obviously, no, but I'm saying it didn't affect him. You know, people get depressed. Well, he didn't. Stressed out. Why? Me. Oh. And my my point is not not to. My point is that's. So the 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 Yehuda Elo, that level of, you know, like the whole world and the Gashmis just doesn't exist. That's the ultimate true Yehud of a tzaddik. And again, but for most people, that's not 
the way we're ever going to be. And that's not what's meant for us to be. And that's not even my goal. Our goal is, yes, I'm going to feel myself. And yes, I know what I have. And yes, but still to, you know, like I said, still to accept Hashem's judgment. And still, it shouldn't get me down. I work on myself. And even though I have difficulties, I should still be besemcha. That's a whole different story than someone who never felt that they have difficulties. So that's why we said before, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusei is all about drawing it down. Shema Yisrael is very lofty. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, there's only godliness, there's no world, everything is totally nullified, doesn't exist. Baruch Shem is, okay, now let's be a little more practical. Let's, it's true, but we got to draw it down into our life, into our way of understanding. In our world, we're, yes, Gashmias does mean something, and we do feel that, and we very much relate to it. And still to remember that Hashem is in charge of everything, and everything comes from Hashem, and to see to it that it shouldn't get me down, and to be able to find godliness even in difficult places, that's what the Baruch Shem is. And that's what the Zohar means. This is Yehuda Tato'o. It's the lower level of Achtus Hashem that I'm going to feel that there is a world, and yet I'm going to work on being, again, mevatel myself, subjugating myself, and, and, and recognizing that though I feel A, B, C, D, E, F, G, there is Hashem, and He is in control, and there is Hashkacha Pratis, and if Hashem is doing it, it must be for good. All of those different um, meditations that we think about to help us cope and to help us deal with the difficulties that we have. Yes. So the, just Baruch Shem Kavod, that is relates to Ben Adam. Basically, we're, it's not possible <coughs> for uh, unless it's, it's not a Gomer to right. be involved right. with uh, the Shema Yisrael. Right. Right. Okay. So Baruch Shem is really taking the same idea of the Shema Yisrael and and bringing it down, translating it to us. We still say Shema Yisrael because that's the truth. Right. We believe that that's the truth. It's not as if. Okay, the truth is that really we exist and so on. No, the truth is what it says, that really everything is Hashem and all of this is, is, is anything that seems to be different or disconnected is Narishkeit. We believe that. But nevertheless, although we believe that there's a perfect truth, there's also taking that truth down to me in my level and, so to speak, talking to myself with the language that can work for me as well. Rabbi Zoshev Anapola, he was... Uh... He was a... Ashma Yisrael person. <laughs> I know, but wasn't he connected... And he was a big... Class, uh, was he a... He was a colleague of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe. Both of them were disciples of the Magid together. And he wrote the approbation to Tanya. Before the Alter Rebbe printed his Tanya, he got... Was one of the yeah. two approbations to Tanya. I know there... He, it still goes into the Chernobyl Hasidim too, doesn't it? Possibly. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just uh, thinking, I think not, that I, not that I know of, but I'm not sure. Okay, it's all right. Okay. I think it's a descendant. Now, now let's go back to the princess who wants the uh, bottom of the... Uh, what does this have to do with anything? The scrapings. So here's the thing. Which avoda is more special? Yehuda Ilah or Yehuda Tata? The great tzaddik who feels that there's no world, nothing exists, no problems, floating in godliness. Or the regular people who there's a world and there's issues and there's problems and, and nevertheless we, you know, plug away and we connect to Hashem and we... Which avodah is greater? So... Excellent. Well, what, obviously the tzaddik's avodah is more... Glamorous. It's more developed. It's spirituality. It's holy. It's beautiful. So the bas melech, the bas melech, the princess, represents like the tzaddik. She's from the tzaddik's home. But she smells something. She realized there's a certain power and beauty and specialness to the lower avoda, which is Yehuda Tato. Because we are in this world and we deal with this world and we're beset by difficulties and we have to work through them and find Hashem the hard way. And many times in situations and places that's very uncomfortable and very difficult and very painful even. When we do our Avodah, we're able to affect this world and the worldly 
in a sense, more than the great tzaddik. The tzaddik lives in a world where there's no world. In other words, the tzaddik lives with godliness. And that's beautiful and wonderful and very important that we have such, some such people because they inspire all of us. But it's the avoda of the regular person who lives through the difficulties and the negative feelings and the non-godly feelings and desires and impulses and, and emotional state and still holds on tight and still connects to Hashem and still expresses their belief in the oneness of Hashem. That has a certain strength and a certain power and gives Hashem a certain tainug, a certain pleasure, that even the avodah of the tzaddik doesn't. So the princess smells there's something there at the bottom of the pot that I like, that I want. The avodah that's really beneath her dignity, because she's a princess in Hashem's palace. She belongs with the tzaddikim. But she says, isn't there something special that I'm missing in my avodah? So they say, shh. Don't tell anyone. We'll bring you a little bit of that also. The princess represents in Spheros the Madriga of Malchus. Because in the 10th Spheros that we have, Malchus is the lowest of the Madrigas, lowest of the 10 Spheros. And Kabbalistically, Malchus is the level that comes down into this world. You have the the world of Atsilos, which is holiness, but the lowest of the levels of Atsilos is called Malchus Atsilos. And that comes down into the lower worlds, and that is involved in the refinements of this world and the birurim, the um, um, cultivating and, and elevating the sparks in this world. That's what, that's what Malchus is doing. So Malchus is the bas melech. And Kabbalistically, Malchus is the bas, is the feminine, is the receiver. And she re- recognizes, although her place is in the world of atzilos and holiness and beauty, that there is something special about being worldly and being involved in the worldly life. The life that senses that there is a world, and it's not just the oneness of Hashem that's everywhere. And there to connect to Hashem. And there to be able to live, to be mevatel oneself. Feelings that are very strong feelings, and nevertheless to put them aside for Hashem's feeling. And that's why we say, you know what? Quiet. You're, the, you're this high-level tzaddik, but the tzaddik also wants that special avodah. And that's how, the, that's how Hasidus explains that medrash, that there's the daughter of the king, and she's and she wants the scraps of the of the pot, and they give her the baruch shame as well. And so called I'm sorry. <laughs> so so. I'm sorry. Well, she wants to experience that. The balas tshuva. She's looking to experience that avoda. No, 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 no. You're asking well. She wants to be able to experience that avoda as well. In other words. It's the tzaddik being jealous, if you will, of the Baal Shuvah, and saying, I want to have a connection to that Avodah as well, because there's something powerful to that, there's something special to that. And that's what she's craving. And that's what the Baruch Shem is. So for us, we're really much more on a bar, in the Baruch Shem world. And we just talk about the Shema. The tzaddik is more in the Shema world, thinking about the Baruch Shem world. But ultimately, there are two worlds that complement each other. So we say Shema aloud because the, true, the truest expression of faith is Hashem Achad, is the highest form of, of Achbis Hashem. Yet, we sort of talk to ourselves in an undertone and say, okay, I, that's the truth, that's my belief, and it's Hashem Achad, there's nothing else, and yet I draw that down into my own world where I do feel other things as well, and here too I'm going to accept that oneness of Hashem and recognize that Hashem is behind everything that goes on with me. On, on the one day that we say it out loud, on Yom Kippur. So that's interesting. Why is it on that day we say it out loud? Um, it would seem that on that day we've picked it all up to that level where there's that perfect symmetry between both levels. You said that even us. That we're not eating, sort of like malafa. Right, that, that's and another idea. But that even us, we're able to bring that up, that it's all on the level of the oneness of Hashem. So Baruch Shem is sort of upgraded to Shema according to this explanation on Yom Kippur. So that's the Shema and the Baruch Shem. Okay? What about Kale, Melach, and Amon? You didn't say anything about that. I didn't. Because we don't say it in our Siddur. No, well, every time we say Amen, Amen is the um, ac- acronym for Kale Melech Neman. When we say Amen to any bracha, Amen stands for Kale Melech Neman. 
Though we don't say it here before Shema as others say it in their Siddur. I didn't know that. I, I was taught, trained to say it that way. Well, you have to now say over all your Shema's. <laughs> Do <laughs> chuba, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about chuba, so you, you have to. It's not returning. What you said? There's a lot of different. Like there's the a lot of different. Right. With what? I'm sorry. First, we're dealing with the Malachim, and we're trading There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different themes here. I don't know that in one davening one has to draw every. You know, there's so many different memorandum explaining davening. I'm giving. I'm taking different pieces from different pieces from there. Yes. It's not like one idea that leads from the beginning to the end. One could take one path through everything. But nevertheless, we're discussing so many different ideas, not everyone necessarily comes directly um, in connection with the previous one. But it's a good thing, a thing to think back and try to see how to work out a pattern for myself. And that's correct. Okay. Is there any water there, please? Hot water? Yeah. Okay. Via hafta. We come now to the great mitzvah of Avas Hashem. Thank you. Which is, this is where Avas Hashem comes from. Um... The Zohar says, I'll give you another Aramaic quote. This is a harder one. Lace, if you're writing lace, is Lamed Yud Saf. Pulchena, which is Lamed Yud Saf. The next word is Pulchena, which is Pei Vav. Lamed Ches Nun Aleph. The next word is very similar to the one we just did. Kepulchena, which is kaf, pei, vav, lamid, ches, nun, aleph. Derechimusa. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dalid. That's rachaming, right? Actually not, actually not. Dalid, reish, ches, yod, mem, vav, saf, aleph. Okay? Lace. Pulchena kepulchena derechimusa. Oh my God. In English, there is no avoida like the avoida of love. That's what it means. Lace means there's no. Pulchena is avoida service. Kepulchena, like the service, derechimusa of love, of ava. The word in the Zohar always for ava is rechimusa or rechimu. It's the same thing. For people, for people to speak English. Nobody should go. <laughs> no one should go to sleep today before they memorize. <laughs> That's a mantra, right? Okay. What does that mean? That means the greatest service of Hashem is the service with Ava, Ava Hashem. Now, to be sure, there's something called Yira Hashem. Yira Hashem is most important as a introduction to Avoda. A foundation for Avodah. As Yiras Hashem keeps us straight. If we have proper Yiras Shemayim, we don't veer off, we don't make mistakes, we have the necessary discipline. Mm-hmm. So Yira is a necessary first step. But the feeling that's actually supposed to permeate our Avodah is Ahava more than Yira. Yira, again, Yira is more is very important and is step number one. You have to start with the commitment that that's what Hashem said, Yerush Shemayim. But the feeling that we're trying to get to, and really throughout Davening, more than anything else, the feeling we're trying to achieve is a relationship. Relationship is love, not fear. Fear is important that the relationship remain healthy. But the relationship itself is connecting Connecting is love, not fear. I like the way her mind's work. She's probably thinking that that's together. The other relationship exists too, but it's not healthy. I think it's psychology. But Yira, is it only fear or is it respect? What, what no. is Yira? So Yira is respect. 
Yira is fear. Yira is discipline. Yira is borders and boundaries. All are very important for a healthy relationship. But they're not the relationship. They're borders. They're, without that, the love gets trampled. If there's no Yira, the relationship won't flourish. The relationship won't get deeper. The Yira is the framework for a healthy relationship. The respect, the borders, the discipline, all of that is such an important framework without which love goes straight out the window. But it's still not the relationship. It's the framework to give room for a healthy, positive relationship. But if there's only gonna be fear and respect and discipline, that's maybe a business partnership. It's not a relationship. It's healthy, nothing's gonna go wrong, but there's a relationship. There's no warmth, there's no vibrance, there's no life. The warmth, the vibrance, the life. It's an emotion though. Yeah, it's, it's an emotion of distance. It's an emotion of giving room. It's, a, it's an emotion of respect, all important. All important to allow for a healthy, positive, warm, loving relationship. So the relationship is the love side of it. The era is the frame, is the foundation. It makes sure it's gonna exist, but it's all framing a relationship. The relationship is the closeness, is the warmth, is the love. Which and that's what the Zahar... the guidelines for the relationship? It could be, you can call it the guidelines. These are all correct words. And that's what the Zahar means. The actual Avoida, the relationship of Avoida is Avas Hashem, that we are meant to work on and develop. And that's what we've been davening for. That's why we're talking so much about Hashem. That's why we're talking about our relationship with Hashem. We're talking about the greatness of Hashem. We're trying to evoke or awaken feeling. And feeling is love-based. And this is the place in davening where we actually say it. Via hafta es Hashem alokecha. So, as you mentioned before, we have to go back to what we learned about. We learned so much about we're preparing for Shema and we're saying the birchus kriya Shema. We're getting into it and we're talking about the malachim. We're talking about Hashem's love for us. All to fulfill the mitzvah of Ahavas Hashem. This is the it. This is the it. This is where we've been headed. So even when we talked about the oneness of Hashem and achtas Hashem, it's true, but the relationship is via hafta. Now, to be sure, we don't walk around a whole day feeling love for Hashem. Again, unless we're a tzaddik and we're always on that level. But a regular person throughout the day, I'm busy with a lot of different things. I always love Hashem, but that love is somewhere hidden inside. Just like any love that we have for a child, for a parent, for a spouse. We're not walking around a whole day loving that person. We're busy. And there are times when it expresses itself. Most. The time when our avas Hashem expresses itself most, or should is when we daven. Our davening is we're trying to stoke the flames of Ava that we have for Hashem. And here again, here is the very center of that. V'yahavta es Hashem That's where Hashem gave us the mitzvah. Again, in the Torah portion of Eschanon. And it says here three powerful um, um, expressions. Or not, it's a better word than that. Descriptions of the Ava. And that's the next three words about which there's a tremendous amount of chasidus. Bechol levavcha, bechol nafshecha, bechol meodecha. To love Hashem with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our, this, this word has so many different translations. Our might is a simple translation. Um, really, this is, there's no such word, but it's really our maod. What does the word maod mean? Much. Mode means very. Right. Means like very, more. Very like, all of our veriness. All of our veriness, exactly. <laughs> In other words, there's doing something, doing something, and then there's doing something. So, Bechol Modecha means like, with all our might, right. out of all of our boundaries. Right. And really, in Hasidus, always Bechol Modecha is called the Ava Beligvu, without any limitation. So, that's the highest of the three levels. Let's at least begin discussing these three levels. I don't know what time it is. Anyone? When I go through my day, though, I really feel love of Hashem at certain times during the day much more than I do when I'm dominant. Okay. So, that's, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hashem is right. It's in the middle of your day. You know, uh-huh. if you want something, you need something, you, you, you got something, whatever it is, you feel Hashem more in your daily activities than I do in these words where my mind is thinking about my shopping list and my laundry and my... Okay, so in other words, so so you might be doing 
you might be doing shopping while you're davening and davening while you're shopping. Right, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or one of your parts. That's right. That's a good one. <laughs> there was a great, one of the greatest chassidim ever. It was, it was called, his name was Reb Hillel of Parich. Reb Hillel, Reb Hillel, who is from the city of Parich. And he was, he was a chassid of the Mittler Rebbe and the Samach Sedek. He's, there's, so many, there's more written about him than any, about any other chassid. He was this great chassid. He was like a tzaddik himself. So he, would, he was a great mashpia, and he would educate his talmidim to, to, to spend a lot of time in preparing for davening and so on and so forth. So one of his talmidim once posed the following problem to him. And he says, you know, I spend so much time preparing for davening. And during that preparation, I'm learning and I'm meditating, and I'm reflecting, and I'm, I awaken tremendous feelings of closeness to Hashem and whatever. And many times, the actual davening is like pretty anticlimactic. Then I'm just like saying words. So I feel so much more enthusiasm and, and inspiration during the preparation. So what's going on? Like, what, what should I do? He asked his mentor, Reb Hillel. And Reb Hillel said, he says, so what's wrong if you daven before davening? <laughs> says, so you daven before davening. The main thing is you daven. You know, so some people get their davening done when they're shopping. <laughs> and they get their shopping done during davening. Okay, listen. <laughs> as, long as, as, long as, we, as long as we get our davening done at some point. But the, the official time during the day that is, that is created for thinking about davening, thinking about Hashem, is davening. That's what it is now. People are people, and, and our minds take us in different directions. But that's this is the time that's set for it, so to speak. Again, I'm sorry, what time is it? It's a quarter to Oh, okay, so we have time. You came a little late anyway. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you were tardy. <laughs> we don't want to let you go. Okay, now you're going to go to my parent teacher's conferences. Right? Okay. So here's the thing. Um, what, well, let's go through the three. Bechol avavcha, bechol nafshcha, bechol in short at least. Love Hashem with all your heart. But here we have the very famous Chazal, and we've mentioned it a number of times ourselves, that <coughs> grammatically, it seems it should have said because a person has only one heart, and a heart is a lev, so the singular heart is libcha, and it says levavcha. So the Gemara says, that the, that the Pasuk here is telling us that the love for Hashem is supposed to be with both sides of our per- personality, which means our godly soul, our animal soul, our, our divine, our, our good instinct, our bad instinct, whatever you call it. And this is the first basic level of love. And that means the following. A Yid is supposed to develop a love for Hashem, not only with their godly soul that naturally loves Hashem, but even with their animal soul. Which means, and again, this is something that I know we've discussed, but it's important to say it again. The animal soul gets a very bad rep, right? You know, the animal, we're an animal, 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 animal. The truth is the animal soul is not bad. Just like an animal is not bad. A dog is not bad, and a cat is not bad, and a horse is not bad. They're not bad. They're just... Instinctual? Animals, which means they're not thinking about godliness. They're thinking about taking care of themselves. Right? Instinctually, yeah. Taking care of myself, pleasuring myself, getting my food, getting my whatever I need, saving myself from the next animal that's hunting me. Mm-hmm. Right? Taking care of myself. The human animal soul is very similar. It wants to eat, it wants to sleep, it wants to enjoy itself, it wants to rest, it wants to have a good time. That's all. It's not bad. There's nothing bad about that. It's just not godly. It's not godly. Now, the animal soul can be educated. What does it mean it can be educated? It can be educated that it should enjoy better things. Because the animal soul really, the words in Hasidus for the animal soul, the essence of the animal soul is, it's the koach hamisave. He, mem, sof, aleph, vav, he. Or really the koach of taiva. What does taiva mean? Desire. desire. It's a power of desire. What am I going to desire with my animal soul? It's up to me. A little child desires can, can. As the child grows, their desires become more refined, hopefully. 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 Right? And more expensive. Right? Now, as the child grows into adulthood, it's up to the person 
to develop their desires in different directions, right? We say, I developed a taste for. What does it mean I developed a taste for? That means naturally, that's, I didn't like that, but I developed a taste for the finer things in life. So I, naturally, as an 18-year-old, I didn't care about that, but then I started thinking about art, then I started thinking about music, <coughs> then I started thinking about philosophy and ideas, and one can develop and educate their desire to desire things that are much greater and much more refined, to the extent that one could begin to shun the more base and crass desires as they grow emotionally and in maturity, to enjoy finer things. Mm -hmm. So perhaps something that five years ago was really good for me, now I'm like, I look at that with disdain, because I've grown beyond that. I don't like that stuff anymore. You know. In Yiddish, you say, it's not, it's not for me. And the truth is, I stopped liking it. I like better things. And I love now, you know, I don't know, classical music. That's the only thing I like. And all the other things, Narishkin. And give me, you know, good food. It doesn't talk to me. I'm into music. Or I'm into philosophy. And so on. Or gourmet food. Or gourmet food. <laughs> the examples are endless. And here comes what Hasidus has to say. Just like we can develop our desires to delight, to, to delight in a higher level or more refined level of physical pleasure, we could also develop it into the spiritual. And what should make me happy is holy things and good things. The animal soul. The animal soul. Right? I'm not talking about the godly soul. The godly soul doesn't have to develop a taste for godliness. He likes godliness. We're talking about the ability for the animal soul to develop a taste for something that's more meaningful. So what gives me real happiness is the Yiddish nachas that I have, the mitzvahs that I do, the helping of other people. Imagine when we can develop a real um, happiness in doing a favor for another person. That that actually makes me happy. Today was a great day. It was a great day. I, I go to sleep feeling just happy because I made a person happy. That's, that could be a physical happiness. That doesn't have to, when I'm talking to the godly soul, me as a physical human being, not a sadik, a regular person, I can develop a desire and enjoyment and appreciation of doing people favors, of doing good things, of doing mitzvahs, of learning Torah, of having Shabbos, of having Yiddish and Nachas for my children. So at the end of the day, you ask me, I, you have two choices. I have a good big plate of chocolate, or you can go and help someone. Right? Mm, it's tough, it's tough, I know. But, but, you can do but I can bring the chocolate and give it to my friend. That's what Bechal Levavcha means. That the, the first step, now this sounds like the highest level, but really, this is the first level. The, the, it's a great level. The first step of our Ava session is that we're trying to bring all parts of ourself on board to this Ava session. That it doesn't have to be the property of the godly soul. So my whole life I'm fighting over what I like. My godly soul says mitzvahs, my animal soul says chocolate, and it's an unending bad. We have the ability that the chocolate lover should love mitzvahs. I'm not making an aver out of chocolate, don't get me wrong. I'm trying to bring out a point, right? So, Want the chocolate it's okay to want chocolate. At, 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 some, at, at some degree, if it's chocolate or that, I'll derive more pleasure and happiness from the good, from the mitzvah than the chocolate. Chocolate is chocolate. But what makes me happier? Again, as a physical person, as a human being, what's going to give me a better feeling? Not my ruchnis. Me, what am I going to be happier? So we have that ability. To, to educate ourselves and refine our tastes so that what should really make us happy and tasty in life should be something spiritual and holy and should be Hashem. When we ultimately realize the, the, uh, the beauty of it and the everlastingness of it, the endurance of it, the truth of it, um, and when, when we recognize a lot of those things that we liked a long time ago, how they're actually hurtful for us physically. Not forget about spiritually. Right? A lot of those things that the kids like, hurt. they hurt me physically. And when we recognize that and realize that, it does something to the great taste of it. You know, certain things look tasty, but if I know, if I can directly see how detrimental it is for me, 
Ugh, I, I don't want to go there. It's not, not just because my mind is able to tell me I can't have it. I lose my taste for it when I realize how bad it is. And, and, I, I, and I can develop taste for things that are so good for me physically. It helps me have a better life, just a happier life. That's all part of Bechol That level of Avas Hashem can be equally enjoyed by the godly soul and the animal soul. Again, the godly soul doesn't need that much work. The godly soul is a question of revealing it. But, but the animal soul can be brought along to this. And this is a very, very important part of Avas Hashem. That's Bechol But then we come to Bechol Nafshecha. Notice of an immediate difference. Nafshecha is singular. It doesn't say Bechol Nafshosecha. With all of your nefashos. It says with your nefesh. You said that soul? I thought it was like yours. It's definitely soul. It's like neshama. Nefesh is like neshama. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Nafshecha is the nefesh alokis. There's a certain level of love that only my godly soul is capable of that my animal soul really tunes out of. And that's when it's beyond myself. See, the animal soul likes pleasure. So I'm able to convince it, you know, mitzvahs are very pleasurable. Living a, a Yiddish life, living a holy life, connecting to Hashem, that's, that's good stuff. So the animal says, it's, it's good, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in because it's good for me. And that's great. It's great that we, that we got the animal soul involved. We brought him on the, on, on the boat. But then there's a level of love that's not about me. It's not about um, this tastes good, feels good, will be good. The greater love is the selfless love where I love Hashem. Not because it makes me better, happier, greater. And that's why, do you know which mitzvah we learn from these two words, Bechol Nafshecha? The mitzvah of Mesiras Nafesh. We have a mitzvah because it's not for me. Mesiras nefesh means that sometimes we're called upon to give for Hashem myself. It's called sacrificing. To self-sacrifice. Rabbi Akiva, who is one of the greatest Yidim ever to live, the ultimate Balshuva ever to live, one of the greatest Sadiqim ever to live, also is the epitome, it represents the epitome of Mesiras nefesh. Right? One of the ten martyrs killed by the Romans, tortured to death by the Romans. Right? The greatest of all the ten is martyrs. That, is, that, is that Mysterious Nefesh? Or did he actually have a choice in it? Of course he had a choice. He didn't have to teach Torah. He didn't have to study Torah. His wife had Mysterious Nefesh also. She had her Mysterious Nefesh, yeah, without a doubt. Married, he married another woman afterwards. What? No, but I'm just saying. I don't know about that. First time, first time I'm sure he, had, he smiled or something, and, and they said that he. She let him go back to learn more. You, oh, no, but supposedly his, his, she died, and supposedly he married somebody. No, Possibly, I don't remember. It's, it's okay. Maybe, it, maybe, maybe yes, maybe I not. I, don't I hope know. not, but I remember hearing okay. that story, and I was really okay. The fact that I don't remember does not mean it doesn't happen. The, the, okay. Those are not even remotely related. <laughs> Anyhow. The, the point is, Rabbi Akiva was being killed, tortured to death. Tortured, right? You know, this, with iron combs, they were taking his uh, flesh off his body. His Talmidim saw him, they were there. And he's smiling. He's smiling. Going through the greatest pain a person can endure. Say, Rabbi, how can you smile? So Rabbi Akiva said, the Gemara says, he says, every day I davened, I said, Bechol avavcha, bechol nafshecha. Bechol nafshecha means that sometimes we're called to give our life for Hashem. Call Yomayomarti all the days of my life. I said, when will I be able to fulfill this? And now I'm fulfilling it. Should I not smile? Said Rabbi Akiva as he was being killed. So Bechol Nafshecha is the concept of Mesiras Nafesh, of the, will, the ability, and unfortunately, in our history, we've been called upon Many, many times, much too many times, to do Mesiras Nefesh. Baruch Hashem, today we live in a world that by and large, we're not called upon them for that. But the Jewish people, our ancestry, is filled with it. It's filled with Mesiras Nefesh. These are the two words in the Torah that are sourced for Mesiras Nefesh. Bechol Nafshecha says the Gemara, Afilu hu notel es nafshecha. That our love for Hashem should extend to a level 
that we should be willing, if necessary, if need be, to give our life for Hashem. That type of love is way out of the bounds, boundaries of the animal soul. The animal soul can't come to grips with that. Because again, the animal soul is a lover of life, lover of self. So we could tell him, you know, for you the best thing is Torah Mitzvah. Done. If he's convinced, he's in. But you can't tell him for you the best thing is to stop, stop existing. That doesn't work. How could it be for me a good thing not to be? So the animal soul goes to, goes to sleep, takes a nap. This has nothing, you're not talking my language. So that's why this next Pasuk, Wait, so the whole nafshecha is only about mysterious nefesh, about dying, giving over life. Bechol nafshecha is to love to the extent that, you would. that I'd be willing to give my life. Now, we don't have to go and find someone to give our life away to chas v'shalom, but it's finding that place within our soul, mm-hmm. that level of love to Hashem within ourselves, which says, I'll give Hashem everything, including my life, if I'm called on to do that. Interestingly, when we say the Shema Yisrael at the end of Yom Kippur, right, right, at the right. end of Ne'ilah, and we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, we shout it out, right? right? What does it say in the small letters in the Machzor there? At that point, a person should close their eyes and think, I'm ready to die, Al Kiddush Hashem. No one's looking to die. We don't have to die. We should all live a long life. But it's a question of finding within me that level of connection that would allow for giving my life if necessary. And perhaps, now we don't have time, in our next Tanya class, I'd like to discuss with you that the Alter Rebbe tells us in Tanya how fundamental this is, that a person should every day remember that I'd be ready to die, Yalkidosh Hashem. Because he says, when a person always remembers that, then nothing is too difficult to do for Hashem. Right? We, we, we fight over much smaller issues than giving our life. Right? Little desires, a little unisiness, little challenges. And I'm saying little, they're not little. We don't, they don't feel little when we're doing them. But they're littler than having to give our life. And the Alter Rebbe says, when a person remembers, on a daily basis, we remind ourselves that I, my relationship to Hashem is such that if, if need be, I would die for Hashem. So then when it comes, chas v'shalom. So then when it comes to, well, should I talk Lashon Hara now? You know, it's a nice thing. I'd love to tell someone. But listen doesn't really make sense. I'd be willing to die not to go, not to disconnect for Hashem. Then why would I just let my mouth off like that? That's what Al-Tarebbe says in chapter 25 of Tani. Very powerful words. So it's not just a theoretical thing, die, Baruch Hashem. We, we don't, we're, not, we're not worried about dying tomorrow. No one's coming with a gun to us. Baruch Hashem. But to remember that level of connection and devotion that we have to Hashem. And with that, once that's awakened by us, there's really nothing that can stand in the way of doing what Hashem wants from us. The way we're processing. I'm sorry? It's the way we're processing. doesn't mean we have to give our lives. We, we would. Right. It's right. the way we process. Right. Now, the truth is that this goes a step further, which is that typically we talk about the fact that we would even give our lives if necessary. The emphasis is if you can have a one-on-one uh, a meet, meeting with our godly soul, and you'd ask it its opinions about Masirus Nefesh, it's, it's not going to say that I would even give my life if I have to. It says, I want to give my life today. Because the godly soul, more than anything else, wants to go right back to Hashem. He's not really happy down here. This is not his place. This is not his cup of tea. Like, what does he need? Gashmias and a body and all the stuff? Like that song, Little Neshama. I'm sorry? Like that song. Yeah, the Neshama was very happy in heaven. It was doing fine. In other words, in, from the Neshama's perspective, and here's an interesting thing, from our perspective, Mysterious Nefesh is something that, okay, if I'm called upon, I'll even do that. The Neshama says, take me there. But right? the Neshama's Mysterious Nefesh is to stay on earth. We'll get to that. That's, that's, beho- that, that's a good answer, but that's really the next word. Bechol Modah. We'll get to that. <laughs> but in, in the Bechol Nafshecha of the Neshama, the Neshama is really looking for its Nefesh to go straight back to Hashem, be included in its source. Right? In, in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe brings the Pasuk, Neir Hashem Nishmas Adam, that the Neshama is called a candle. Why is it called a candle? Just like the flame flickering, it wants, it wants to leave. Where are you going? Right? The fire is going to its source in heaven. 
Our neshama is also going to its source. It really has very little interest in what's going on, on down here. You know, all, especially most things that we're busy with, this doesn't talk to it. So, Bechol Nafshecha of the Neshama really is, like Rabbi Akiva said, I've been waiting all my life. In other words, Rabbi Akiva was so in tune with his Neshama that he says, Mesiris Nafesh is something to be afraid of? My Neshama is finally reuniting to Hashem. I'm giving it to Hashem in the best way, most glorious way possible. It's a Simcha. And that's Bechol Nafshecha. And really, in another, in, in chapter um, 41 of Tanya, the al says that the MS is, when we do a mitzvah and, or learn Torah properly, really our neshama is rejoicing because it feels like Mesiris Nefesh, like right now I'm just going back to Hashem. When we're finished the mitzvah, it's all back down there. But at that moment, he feels like he left and he went back home. And that's like Mesiris Nefesh. The al says there in chapter 41 of Tanya, he says that really every time we do a mitzvah properly on Torah, it's like Mesiris Nefesh. At that moment, we're only thinking about a mitzvah, about Hashem, and about the Ruchnius, and the Shama is in seventh heaven. Because anything that we want, like you said, the definition of the Nafshacha was giving up your desire, even for something that doesn't make sense for Hashem. Yeah. So, like, I'm keeping Shabbos. So, let's say I want to I wanna use my phone on Shabbos. But I'm not, even though I really want to. And I'm miserable because I can't. So, that's so a form. That's a form of b'chol I'm doing something that doesn't make sense to me. Or I'm keeping Shabbos or I'm having 11 kids and that doesn't make sense to me. But I'm not doing it because it makes sense. I'm, I'm doing it for Hashem, not so for my own ratification, not for my own good times. So that is a form of Mesiris Nafesh, without a but doubt. you say you have 11 kids and that's your Mesiris Nafesh? Yes. Yes. That is not settled. <laughs> It says it, well, the I'm word. You I'm have a child because you want to have a child. Just, I wouldn't have a child for Mesiris Nefesh. You do because you want to take care of. I mean, but but it's raising yeah. those children is Mesiris Nefesh. Nefesh. If you have three or you have eleven, but I'm just saying. They they help <laughs> the, the children help along with the Mesiris Nefesh. But it's anything that you do that you don't really want to do. You shouldn't be having children if you don't want to have them. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that it, it, that's just an example. The phone is also the same example. If you, or if you keep it says, down, it, says, it says that nefesh, nefesh really is rutzin. A person's nefesh is, is, is expressed in their rutzinus and their desires. When my desire is A, and because Hashem said so, I push away my desire, that's Mesiris nefesh. Now, it might not be the ultimate Mesiris nefesh when I give away all my desires, when, when I'm willing to die for Hashem, but every giving away a part of me, giving away a desire, giving away a comfort, giving away something that's very meaningful for, to me, but then I hear, Hashem said, He wants different. So, is it my desire or Hashem's desire? That is a form of Mesiris Nefesh. So you can have your comfort as long as it doesn't conflict with what Hashem wants. You could, but inevitably, because we're human and Hashem is Hashem, Hashem has certain misfits that we're not going to excite us, and we're going to have to say, yes, I'm doing it because Hashem said so. So to a degree, as much as we can, we're going to work on Bechal Levavcha, which is bringing our animal soul on board and in sync. So I want whatever Hashem wants. But there's always going to be, we're human beings, there's always going to be things that, as much as I tried, I don't want that. And Hashem does. Or I do want something and Hashem says no. At that point, it's Mesiris Nefesh. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel good. But Hashem said, and I'm putting my, away my desire for Hashem's desire. Or I'm going to do what Hashem says, though I don't want to. That's a form of mysterious nefesh. It could come from either. It could come from Yiras Hashem in a disciplined way, or it could be an expression of Ava. Real Ava is that there's something that I don't like, but the one who I love does, and I'm going to do it for them, not for me. I really don't like it. So it's an expression of tremendous av. But you could do that from it could, also. Correct. It could come from Europe. But the ultimate avoida is when that comes from Ava. Not just because I'm disciplined and he said, that's one way. And that's also better than doing the wrong thing. Because if I'm going to do it out of Europe, you know, all, you know, all the points to me. But to be able to do it out of Ava, which is, level. it's a higher level. I love that person so much. That although I hate this, I'm going to do it and be happy because it made them happy. 
So I love Hashem so much that I don't like this, but Hashem wants me to do it. I'm doing it. This one's for you, Hashem. That's Bechol Mavshecha. And we will continue, Amir Sa Hashem. Um, but again, not, not next week. In two weeks, Amir Sa Hashem. Two weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Which, Amir Sa Hashem.